Well, last week we started a series here called Experiencing a Deeper uh, Relationship with God. Experiencing a Deeper Relationship with God. In, and last week we talked about uh, one of the most foundational things in experiencing God in, in deeper ways in our life. And it has everything to do with uh, the mental images we play about who God is in our mind. Uh, we talked about, about this principle, that our view of God will determine the depth of our relationship with God, that our view of God or the mental pictures we play about who God is will determine our depth of relationship with God. And what we talked about is, is that if you uh, picture yourselves maybe coming into the very presence of God, and you picture uh, you know, God being kind of angry with you or maybe disappointed in you because of what you did this week, if you picture yourself coming in and, and you feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel that you have to be distant or that you feel that you've got to do a whole bunch of good things in order to actually get a little bit closer with God, if you see God that way, kind of like a, like a principal of a school or something like that, you will never be actually very close to him. Because you won't really trust him, or you think you gotta, you know, do a bunch of things in order to please him. Therefore, his love is actually not unconditional. It's conditioned based on your obedience or what you do. But if you understand that God is good and that God is loving and that God wants you and actually likes you and loves you and wants to hold you, it changes everything. Uh, we talked about. Uh, 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 in, in 1 John chapter 4, where it talks about how, how God is love. And so when we're playing these mental images about who God is, we need to realize that when we come into the presence of God, we are coming in to a perfect love. A perfect love. That is who God is. And this is why it says in 1 John 4, 18, and again, this is a mental image that you can play in your mind as, as you come into the presence of God. It says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so when you have these mental images of coming into the presence of God, if, if for any reasons you sense a fear in you that causes you to want to pull away, or a fear in you that causes you to think that, oh, you know, I, I'm full of guilt and shame because, you know, I've just disappointed God, then you haven't been perfected in love. There's still growth in your understanding that God really is a billion times more loving than we can ever imagine. And we talked about this idea that when it comes to our relationship with God, that, that sin is actually not the biggest problem. Because Jesus has dealt with our sin 2,000 years ago. And so whenever you walk into the presence of God, if you, you feel your sin gets in the way, all you got to say is, Jesus dealt with that. that. That's finished in Jesus that sin is not a barrier between us and God anymore because Jesus has dealt with that. But the biggest issue is actually fear. This is exactly what um, we looked at this last week. When, when God was calling to Adam, where, where are you? And God is calling to all of us all the time. I, I want to hold you. Where are you? I, I want you in my presence. Uh, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. And, and again, often we have this, this kind of wrong kind of fear of God that causes us to, to close up and actually hide from God. And so we're actually not vulnerable with him. Uh, we're not willing to, to draw close to him because we're actually kind of scared uh, of him. But, but perfect love whom God is drives out all fear. Uh, Jesus 
really has forgiven us. Jesus has really washed us and cleansed us in such a way that as we saw last week, the Bible talks about how we can actually come confidently into the very presence of God. And it doesn't just say this once, but it says this twice. That we can actually come confidently into the presence of God. And so when it comes again to the mental images you're playing of the character of God, make sure your mental images of you, you know, coming into the presence of God with confidence. Not because you're so good, because trust me, we all mess up. It's because Jesus is that good. That the gospel is that good, that we can actually come confidently into the very presence of God. And uh, we, we kind of finish this, this picture of coming confidently into the throne room of God with accompanying it with Luke chapter 15. Which is a picture of God the Father and his, his wayward son. And it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And so it's the picture of, of God the Father actually coming towards us. And this son was at his worst, his worst moment in his life, where he had basically wished his father was dead and, and ran away, and now he's coming back, and his father runs towards him. And even when we are at our worst, God is running towards us. And, and, and here the, the picture of the father wrapping his arms around his son and holding him. And if you remember, the son was like, you know, father, I've messed up so much. Just, just make me a servant. Make me a slave. But the father would have, have nothing to do with that. He says, no, you're not going to be my servant. You're going to be my, my son. As he puts the, the signet ring on his hand, which gave him the authority of the father and clothed him in his own robe. And, and we talked about how we need to make sure that we are relating to God as sons and daughters primarily, not as, as servants and slaves. Because servants are all about, you know, tell me what to do and tell me what I did wrong. That's pretty much what servants are all interested in, in terms of, you know, tell me what to do in life and tell me when I do it wrong. And a lot of people, that's, that's the entirety of their relationship with God. God, just tell me what to do and tell me when I've done it wrong. But that, that doesn't describe an intimate relationship. And this father would have nothing to do with that with his son. He says, no, you are going to be my son. You're going to be my daughter. And we talked about how these images, uh, very uh, intimate images of God in, in, in the Bible, like Hosea 11, where he says, I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. And so, so we talked about this. This, these mental images that we can play that help us understand who God is. And so we talked about this image of us coming into the very throne room of God with confidence. And, and there the Father, he's running towards us, and he, and he wraps his arms around us, and he holds us cheek to cheek. That even when we are at our worst, God is loving on us. And that's the foundation of intimacy with God. Because if, if there's anything in you that, that when it, you're like, I'm scared to surrender, or you know, you know I, I'm afraid to really open myself up because he's not really loving, you will, you will always find yourself distant. If you only relate to God through God, tell me what to do, and tell me when I mess up, you will never be close to God. And so learn to uh, be a son and daughter to God, and, and think about your relationship that way. It goes a long ways in, in helping. In fact, um, the Bible actually calls us dearly loved children. 
Now, the Bible's filled with this intimate language of relationship. He looks at and calls us dearly loved children. Uh, you're not the unwanted child. Uh, you're not the child that God just has to, you know, bring into his family because, you know, he has to because he's God and he's love. I mean, uh, he actually wants you in his presence. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 says this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. And this is God in his foreknowledge. He, he knows everything about us. Do you, do you know why we often never fully open ourselves up to other people? It's because we think, if they really knew who I was, then they wouldn't love me anymore. Because all of us have junk inside. But God knows every single thing about you. He, he knows the darkest, deepest sin. He knows addictions. He knows your issues. He knows your problems. He knew that all in advance, yet it says God decided in advance to adopt you. Adopt me and my mess and you and your mess into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That God actually wants you in his family. He looks at you and says, I, I want you. And so, again, this has to do with the mental images that you play of who God is in your mind. That we are his children, and he loves us, and he actually likes us, and loves us, and, and wants to be around us. In fact, the Bible is just, it's just filled with all this language of relationship. Son and daughter, we call God Father. Uh, the idea of Jesus as the groom and us as the bride. And it's all this family kind of relationship. Uh, the, the phrase uh, Abba uh, is kind of Aramaic for Papa. It's very intimate language that, that God says that we are to relate to him. It says, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry Abba or Papa Father. The spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are God's children. And God is trying to imprint this on our spirits, that you are my child. And sometimes we're like, no, 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 I'm your slave. You know, I just want to relate that way. No, God says, no, 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 no. There are times when you serve me, yes, but you are my child. And I want you. And so that really is the foundation. Now, out of that, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about hearing God. Because this comes out of this, this intimate relationship we have with God is this idea that any good relationship has communication. I mean, could you ever think of, you know, a loving father who just loves on his kids, never talking to them? Uh, could you imagine, like, you know, a husband and wife saying, we have the best relationship ever, but we never talk. <laughs> I mean, as soon as you take communication out of the picture, and by the way, communication is more than just talking, but it can be looking and, and touching and, you know, just whatever, just being in each other's presence, but you can't think of a relationship where there's no communication. It'd just be weird. I mean, you know, sometimes we as Christians talk about, you know, you know, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. But it's kind of odd if someone says that, but they actually never hear Jesus. <laughs> they never hear God. They never actually experience this relationship. Again, the whole language of relationship implies this idea of, of communication. In fact, right from the very beginning, as soon as God creates man, he's, he's speaking to them. Uh, right from the very beginning, he creates man, and it says, God blessed them and said. I always wonder how God blessed them. It says, God blessed them, then, then he spoke. Like, how did he bless them? Maybe he gave him a big hug, cheek to cheek. I don't know. <laughs> God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Right from Genesis chapter 1, God is speaking. And then through the whole scripture, God is speaking to people just like you and just like me. 
In fact, uh, just this phrase, the Lord said, is found over 300 times in the Bible. That's a lot. The Lord said, and God still speaks today. This the phrase, the word of the Lord came to, and you can put someone's name in there, it's found over 100 times in the Bible. And the word of the Lord can come to me, it can come to you, uh, just as it did to the prophets and other people in the Bible. God speaks because he loves you. Uh, he wants to hold you and, and speak in into your life. Uh, Jesus said it this way. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. And, and, and we're the sheep in, in Jesus' image here. But he, he, Jesus says, my people, they hear my voice. Uh, Jesus didn't say, you know, my people might hear my voice. Uh, Jesus didn't say, you know, they heard my voice. He says they hear my voice. That, that God wants to speak to you. He wants you to be someone who actually hears his voice and walks in this intimate relationship with God where there's communication flowing uh, uh, both ways. And, and God will speak to, to, to anyone. Uh, sometimes we think that, you know, uh, God only speaks to, you know, like maybe pastors or, you know, prophets or people who are really holy or something like that. You know, big people up there. But not me. Uh, you know, I'm just a regular Jack or Joe, and, and, you know, why would God speak to me? You know, I mess up all the time. Why would God speak? God speaks to the, 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 to the least of these, if you will, because God especially loves the least of these. That's why he hung out with the tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes, because he loves the least of these, and he speaks to them. You know, the story of, of Hagar in the Old Testament, who was, who was a servant of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, she was... Uh, no longer in her own land. She was an Egyptian, but now she finds herself in Israel as a servant to Abraham and Sarah. And, and if you know the story, God promised that Abraham and Sarah were going to have a baby. Uh, but it took a long time for this promise to kind of fulfill itself. And so Abraham and Sarah, just like you and I, we get impatient sometimes when God gives us a promise. And so they're getting impatient after year after year. There's no baby, and Sarah was infertile. And so, you know, finally, you know, Sarah says, well, you know, have a baby through my servant, Hagar. And Abraham ag agrees and, you know, sleeps with Hagar, and she gets pregnant. And now she's pregnant, and Sarah's not pregnant, and all of a sudden, there's this intense jealousy between them, and, and Sarah gets so ticked that she sends Hagar away into the desert. And so here is Hagar, you know, Egyptian servant. She's no, in a foreign country. Uh, she has no position of privilege. She finds herself in the desert as lowly as could be, as low as could be. And what happens? God meets her and holds her and speaks into her. And, and God says to Hagar, I will increase your descendants so much that it will be too numerous to count. God blesses her. And even if you are here and you feel you're at your lowest, God wants to bless you and hold you and build you up. And then God uh, and then she says at the end, it says that Hagar gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That she understood that God, she's like, God sees me. God sees me and God sees you. And not only did God see her, but God spoke to her. And you know, God not only sees you, but God wants to speak to you. Uh, he wants to communicate with, with you. He wants you to walk in this relationship that is intimate. And again, like any father-son relationship, there is going to be communication. Uh, and hearing God is actually, just, it's just, 
to be a normal part of the Christian life. You know, sometimes we think it's like really foreign or, you know, this is a rare thing or, you know, maybe just, you know, only certain people hear God's voice, but it's actually to be part of the normal Christian life. And the reason we say that is because it's normal in the Bible. <laughs> From the very beginning to the very end, uh, people who walk with God hear God. It, it, it's, it's all throughout the Bible. In fact, do you know that every single chapter in the book of Acts, there's some example in some way or form of God speaking to his people? And, and Acts is the, is, the, is the life of the early church. It's kind of like normal Christianity, how it's to be. And, every, and here's just some examples. In Acts 6, the Holy Spirit gave Stephen remarkable wisdom to answer them. His words were prompted by the Holy Spirit, and they could not refute what he said. And, and some of you may have, have had this happen where you're talking to someone, you know, someone asks you a really hard question. And you begin to answer that question, and you're like, wow, that was a great answer, Jesse. And it's like, wow, that's pretty. You're impressed yourself because that wisdom is just coming from God, and he's speaking into your spirit if you recognize it. Or Acts chapter 9, and there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision. Sometimes God will speak through a vision or a dream, and in this case it was a vision. Calling Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied, and the Lord said to him, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. Uh, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named, Tarsus named Saul, and he goes there and he prays for Saul, and he, his blindness is healed, and he becomes Paul, the guy who writes most of the books in the New Testament. And, uh, but the Lord is speaking. In a vision. In Acts chapter 10, uh, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, he has, he has this vision. Uh, then the Lord said to him, again, God is speaking to Peter. Acts 11, uh, Peter again saying, the Spirit told me. Acts 13, he's talking about the church, just like, just like us when we're gathered together. The church, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, and, and most likely that was said through uh, just someone who stood up and said, you know, I feel God is saying, you know, maybe kind of like Gary or others see do that at times from here. Uh, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I had called them. It just seems to be just a normal part of the early church life. Acts 16. Uh, it says, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them. That, that's God speaking. It doesn't say how the Holy Spirit prevented them, but uh, maybe it was just through circumstance. God could speak through circumstances. The Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Again, this is, this is God speaking. It doesn't seem to be like verbal, or it just seems to be maybe through circumstances. And so instead, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. Another example of God speaking. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there in this vision, pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. And so there's this example after example of example of God speaking. And um, God speaks in so many different ways. Next week, we're going to talk more about how God speaks and how we can actually learn to hear his voice. It's kind of a more or less a scripture kind of introduction today. Uh, but the point today is just basically you can hear God's voice. doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. God wants you to be someone who hears his voice because it is just all throughout the scripture. Uh, God can speak through nature. He can speak through uh, images. He can speak through others. There's so many different ways. 
In fact, in Psalm 19, it talks about how, how God speaks through nature. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out in all the earth. And, and sometimes it, God is like this, where there's actually no like audible voice, and, and that's actually kind of rare to hear an audible voice, though there are many in this church who have. I never have, but I know some of you have. Most often, the voice of God is, is like what it said in, 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 in Galatians. It, it's spirit to spirit. God will just lay something on your spirit and impress you. And again, we'll talk more about that next week. But throughout the series, we're going to be doing little, uh, uh, little uh, um, you know, kind of moments where we can actually practice this. And so the first one is, is just by looking at a painting. It's a beautiful painting painted by our own lovely Caroline there. She's a... Uh, an artist, and, and this painting is quite prophetic. Uh, but, you, but God wants to speak to you through for all kinds of things. And you can take even, just as God says he speaks through nature, you can take even art. And you can take a moment and just look at this painting and say, God, uh, what are you saying to me through this painting? And it may just be a thought that downloads into your heart. It might be something that's just, usually it's spirit to spirit. It may be a word, it may be a phrase, it may be an aspect of this painting. Uh, so let's just take a moment. And, uh, and just ask, our, ask ourselves this question. God, what are you saying to me through this painting? If you don't uh, feel you're getting anything, uh, there's no pressure. Uh, we're going to talk about just how to develop the ability to hear God. And, and sometimes you ask God a question, sometimes he doesn't answer in that moment. But does anybody want to share anything that they felt God was saying to them through the painting? Yeah, Michelle. Our cries, yeah. Let's sleep. Yeah, and Diana, do you have one? Um, I'm in people absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, speaking about the sovereignty of God, yeah. yeah. Um, I've kind of heard two things. One was to surrender everything to Him and also to be His, uh, his hands to. Very often is that we take account of everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the book of Revelation talks about how he, he keeps our tears in little vessels. Yeah, every tear matters to God. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Caroline, for painting that. Yeah. There are uh, some, I should note, because uh, most of the time here when we talk about issues where Christians disagree on, I always try to mention other viewpoints. There are Christians 
who would actually teach that God does not speak anymore today. Um, sometimes it's kind of theologically known as cessationism, and, and they would talk about any sort of the miraculous gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, those kind of things no longer happen today in church. And so there, there is that view, and sometimes they will use a text like 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, uh, where there are prophecies, they will cease. And, and, and prophecy, <clears throat> not to make it more complicated than it is, I mean, a uh, prophecy is basically somebody who hears God and then shares it with somebody. That's, you know, the most basic term what a, a word of prophecy is. And so they would say that they are going to cease at some point, and they would say that they have ceased. And so this idea of hearing God has ceased, and it is no more. And, and so they use this, tongue, uh, this, this uh, text and say, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. And so they would say that we're in this time because completeness has come, prophecies will cease. And they will say that the completeness is, is the Bible. Uh, that now we have the completed scripture, that there is no more need for prophecies or for tongues. And so uh, don't expect to see healing gifts or don't expect to see you know, people hearing God. Uh, but most scholars, if you keep reading, will understand that completeness is not talking about the Bible. It's talking about the return of Christ or the manifestation of Christ. This is when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then, talking, relating to when completeness comes, then we'll, we, we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. Talking about this time when we will see God uh, Christ the, uh, face to face, and that's when completeness comes with the re return of Christ, and that is when we will no longer need like the gift of prophecy. Uh, but in the meantime, um, God speaks. Uh, again, we just see it all throughout the scriptures. And in fact, um, scripture teaches us that there is revelation besides the Bible in terms of that we can hear God. Now, let me be very clear on this. <laughs> the Bible is our, our, our top authority. Uh, that if we hear God, it's not like that's next to Scripture, like equal power. No, everything we hear needs to be under Scripture. We, we discern it through Scripture. Uh, but clearly, uh, the Bible says that God has given us the Bible, but he also still speaks. Because there's a lot of things that we have questions about that are not in the Bible. I mean, you might be like, you know, God, should I take this job or that job? And you try to read the Bible, and you're like, there's nothing in here about Walmart. <laughs> not a thing, you know. Uh, you know, what kind of you know, car, you know, I'm struggling to buy this car or that car. I don't know, they're both old, and there's nothing in the Bible you know, about a car, except for that the apostles were all of one accord, you know, maybe. <laughs> maybe that, I don't know. Accord, you're uh, the most holy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we see all throughout the scriptures, the New Testament, the life of, of what we are to live as Christians, that, that God is speaking to people, uh, even though they, they have, a, you know, um, speaking to people. In Ephesians 6, Paul says, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me. That he's saying that, that God still speaks and God gives me revelation and pray for me so that when I'm preaching or teaching, 
that God is downloading words to me, that God is speaking. In Matthew 10, this is Jesus talking to his disciples about times when they would be persecuted and, and brought before, uh, you know, uh, the justice system. It says, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. And that God's going to give them a revelation in that moment. And there are times, again, that we might be put on the spot, that, that all of a sudden we begin to speak, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, wow, that just, that just seems to be flowing, flowing from the Lord. And 1 Corinthians 14, this is the life of the early church. Because when you meet together, and again, the early church met a little differently than we do today. Uh, they mostly met in small houses, so their, their groups were maybe around 30 people. So this is a little easier to do than in bigger groups. But when you meet together, one will sing. Are you singing here? Well, another will teach. You kind of teaching here. Another will tell some special revelation God has given. Implying that, that God is speaking not just to the pastor, not to the worship leader, but God speaks to everyone in the church. And there are times when someone may stand up, and even in our service, if they're brave enough to stand up and say, you know, I feel God is saying, even what we just did with the painting, that is telling each of you or telling this revelation that you got from God. Again, this idea of the Bible is telling us that God is speaking to, to all of us. Ephesians chapter 1, it says, I keep asking that God, uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is Paul praying for his people. Basically praying that they would have a deeper ability to hear God. Uh, we all know this verse, James chapter 1. Uh, if you wonder, does God still speak today? Well, this kind of solves it because in James chapter 1, it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. Meaning that he's actually going to speak to you. He's going to reveal it in, in his word. He's going to reveal it through a circumstance. He's going to reveal it through an impression and all these different things that we're going to talk about next week. But, but God still speaks today. Uh, you can look at the Christmas story. Uh, do you know that every single person who arrived at the Christmas story uh, didn't read where to find Jesus, you know, in the Old Testament scripture, besides being in Bethlehem, but they got there through hearing God. The shepherds uh, didn't weren't reading their Bible to figure out where Jesus was. Angels came down and spoke to them. They, because of that hearing God, if you will, they end up at, at the, the manger of Jesus. The, the Magi, they had some inclination they would, from the Bible that he was born in Bethlehem, but they didn't know where, but God spoke to them through nature, a star. Uh, and they ended up at Bethlehem. And then, of course, when the Magi's were going to leave, God spoke to them through a, a dream not to go back to Herod. And so they just go home. And then God speaks to Joseph and Mary in a dream, and they realize that they can't stay, and they got to go to Egypt. And, I mean, it's all filled with people hearing God because it's just to be a part of our normal Christian life, that we would be people who hear God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, Paul says this, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So Paul writes this letter, which is now actually in our Bible, and Paul says, you know, ask the Lord to give you insight, and God's going to give you revelation. He's going to speak to you. And, and so we still do this. We open up our Bible, and we say, God, would you speak to us? And one of the best ways to actually learn how to hear God's voice is actually through the Bible. By opening up the Bible and say, God, would you speak to me? And so uh, just as we finish off the teaching portion of our service before we do our last song, we're going to do just one more exercise. This is basically what that verse is saying. We're going to allow God to speak to us through a text of Scripture. 
But this is called uh, uh, Lectio Divina. Uh, this is a, a practice that's been used throughout most of church history, actually, in terms of hearing God through scripture. Uh, it just basically means divine reading. That is, we read it and allow God to speak to us through the scriptures. And the way we do this is I'm going to read it four times. And uh, each of the times we're going we're to ask a question and then just give a moment to reflect on that. Uh, so the first time I'm just going to read it through. And the second time I read through, I'll, we'll ask a question. And so this, this text, it's supposed to be Ephesians 1, not Ephesians 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So this time I'm going to read it again. So the question is, what word or what phrase is God kind of highlighting to you? What word or phrase just seems to pop out in your spirit, in your being? What word or phrase seems to pop out for you? God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his son, uh, dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So what word or phrase sticks out to you? What word or phrase pops out to you? in this time when it comes to that word or phrase. Um, what is God saying to you through that word or phrase? What is God saying to you uh, today about that phrase? How is it speaking into your life? God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us, uh, uh, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So how does that word or phrase speak into your life today? Lastly, I'll read it one more time. And this time you ask the question, is God asking you to do something or to become something? Is something he's asking you to do or to become? Is, is, is there some change or movement he wants you to make in your life? God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family 
by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us with his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. It's something that God is asking you to, to become or to do or to change. Something he wants to build into your life. So if you are here and you're like, you know, I've never heard God in my life. <laughs> and yet there was a word or phrase that kind of popped out to you. That is God speaking to you. Now God will often just speak in just really subtle ways where, again, as his spirit speaking to our spirit. And if you are here and you're just like, oh, I got nothing. That's totally okay. There's no pressure on you. You don't, you start to feel anxious or pressured. That's really when you actually begin to miss the voice of God and just kind of walk in your own flesh and make stuff up. And you don't want to do that. Uh, you want to have a genuine relationship with God where you hear him. And so next week, we're going to continue this and go a little bit deeper into some more practical stuff and how we can develop our ability to, to hear God's voice. And so with that, I'm going to invite the worship team up. And so, Father, we thank you that you, you love, love, love us. We thank you, God, that you hold us in your arms cheek to cheek. And, God, we thank you that you desire to speak into us as a loving father. And so, God, I pray over the next couple weeks that you would just do your work in us. God, that you would help us to position our hearts and our spirits so we can learn to hear you more and more and more. God, that we would just learn to surrender to you more and to just uh, receive all that you have for us and, and just, God, uh, be in that relationship that you want us to be. And so, God, we just pray for blessing on each one of us in, in our journey to, to relate to you in deeper ways. 